Let's go ahead and get into today's lesson. Now, I want to address the thousand pound elephant in the room this morning. Uh, I had a couple people come up to me after service last weekend and say, hey, uh, did you have the wrong scripture up to see if we're checking our Bibles and to make sure that we're following along? And as much as I would love to say, that's exactly what I was doing, that would be a lie. That was simply a typo. And I do apologize for any confusion, but it was nice to actually see people grabbing their Bibles and grabbing their iPads and desperately trying to find that chapter because that tells me that you guys are in the Word as well. So, not to dwell on the past, let's go ahead and move on to today's lesson. Now, we've been in our series called We're Better Together, and this series has all been about as we start to regather as the church, as we start to come together again, how should we be interacting with one another? How should we be treating one another? And how do we make sure that we're rebuilding a strong, firm foundation as we get ready to move forward? Now, it's been a tough 18, 20, however many months it's been. But thankfully, we're seeing this light at the end of the tunnel. And each Sunday, we're actually getting more and more people that are feeling more comfortable and coming back to join us here at church. Almost every single Sunday, we're seeing faces we haven't seen in a while. So I think it's a great time for us just to stop and think and look and study what God says about how we should treat one another and how we should interact with one another so that as we rebuild, right, we're rebuilding the right way and that we're going to be stronger and better than we ever were before. So today's one another is going to be how we speak to one another, how we interact with one another. And I think this is a really, really important one because just like any family, how you talk to one another speaks volumes about the way you feel about one another and how you show love to one another. So that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to open up to Ephesians uh, chapter 5. And in just a moment, we're going to get there, but we're going to be looking at that first section of Scripture from verses 1 to verse 20. The big idea it is if we follow God's example and walk in love just as Christ loves. Now, that word love, some, some people can even say that is the theme of the Bible, that the theme of the Bible, the overarching story of the Bible, it's a story of love. And I like that. I love that, I guess you should say. Because I think that that's a perfect way to look at our relationship that we have with God and the things that Jesus Christ was willing to do on our behalf are all about love. And he sets that example for us. And here in this letter that Paul wrote, we're going to look at a really important text where he's writing this letter, right, to the, to the church at Ephesus about how they should treat one another. Now, this letter is talking to the believers. It's talking to the people of the church. Now, remember, though, that when Paul wrote these letters, they weren't designed to just go to one church and only be used by those folks. They were designed to be circulated among the other churches within the early church. So he wasn't just speaking to this one church. He wasn't just addressing a problem. He was actually giving some guidance, some spiritual guidance of how we should treat one another. And that's what I really want to take some time to dig into here this morning. So let's pick up in verse 1. It says, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. Now we know that we cannot be God, right? I mean, that's a fairly obvious statement, I think, to all of us. But we need to follow the example that God sets for us throughout the Bible, and we need to follow the example of Christ. 
And that example is that everything he did, he did out of love. Now, a lot of people will look at Old Testament scripture and say, you're telling me that God loved those people? And my answer is yes. I will say that he loved those people. Because those of us who are parents, we know that, right, sometimes it's tough love. Right? Sometimes we have to do things that maybe even we don't want to do because we love our children enough to do that. And God shows us that over and over and over again. And we need to be that same way. We need to show people love over and over and over again. Even when they don't deserve it, even when they didn't earn it, or even when, in our opinion, they aren't worthy of it. We still have to do that. And how we speak to not only one another, but to those outside of the church can say volumes about our love and the example that we are setting. Let's go on to verse 2. It says, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So again, he's reminding us that when we walk in love, that when we show love to people that maybe we don't want to show love to, that we are being pleasing to God. Because at the end of the day, God sent his son for us, and I guarantee you we weren't deserving of that. But he did it anyway. Let's look at verse 3. It says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. So again, he's speaking to the church, right? And he's addressing some things here. Now, this is what I love about the Bible, because I hear people say things like, well, the Bible was written 2,000 and something years ago. It's not really relevant anymore. But when I read this verse right here, I'm reminded of just how relevant the Bible is. Because he was addressing this 2,000 and something years ago, and these are still the same issues that we have today. Now, I, I love his choice of wording where it says, even a hint of sexual immorality. He kind of draws the line in the sand, right? He just says, don't go there. Don't even go down that road. Don't even hint about things of sexual immorality or you're going off the path. You're not following God's design. You're not following the example that was set for you. He also talks about any other kinds of impurity or of greed. Sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. So he brings these three things to light and says, look, don't think about these things, don't act on these things, and don't even talk about these things. Verse 4 says, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place but rather thanksgiving. See, I love that he's pointing out the things you should not do, and then he gives you the answer and says, but have thanksgiving. And that's thanksgiving for everything that God has done for us. Now, I love where he goes with this, because these are the things that immediately came to my mind when I was reading this and studying through this. And most of you will recognize the first picture is a locker room, and the second picture is social media, and the third picture is what we call water cooler talk. We have to be aware of the conversations that we have. We have to be aware of the language that we choose to use. Now, here's the problem sometimes that we get 
roped into. You see, we act one way when we're here in church on Sunday morning, but we act totally different when we go to work or when we go to school or when we're on our social media. If we followed you around for seven days in a week, what would we find? Would we find that you are the exact same person as that when you're in the pews on Sunday morning, or would we find that you are totally different Monday through Saturday than you are on Sunday? Because, see, we let others around us influence us. See, it's not just kids that succumb to peer pressure, right? We do the same things. We go to work and we get roped into conversations that we shouldn't be having. We get to work and we get, we get to telling jokes that we shouldn't be telling, or we get to laughing at jokes that we shouldn't be laughing at. Because, see, we as humans have this desire. We have this need to fit in. We want to fit in. We want to be liked. If you don't believe me, just look at social media. We have this need to be liked and accepted. And this can get us caught up in exactly these things that Paul is warning us about. So how do we talk when we're at school? How do we talk when we're at work? If, I, we were, if somebody were to just look at your social media, what is the picture that they would get of you? Would it be, wow, this person is a Jesus follower? Or would it be something very, very different? Because see, we as Christians can't be one person on Sunday morning and a different person on Monday morning. Nothing in the Bible teaches us that, hey, you only have to be a Christian one day a week. But sometimes that's the mentality that we get wrapped up in. See, we checked the box. We went to church on Sunday, so what we do on Monday doesn't matter. And that's simply not the case. Because when that happens, we have a divided heart. We have a divided heart. Part of our heart wants to be a Christ follower, and part of our heart wants to be accepted by the people in our workplace or on our sports teams or at our schools. Let's pick up in verse 5. It says, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. See, he kind of he just throws the hammer down here. He's kind of given us a warning, right, in these first four verses. Don't do this. And then in verse 5, he says, you can be sure of this. If you choose to go down that road, you will have no place in the kingdom of heaven. So he built it up, and then he drops the hammer. And I love that. Because, see, we get wrapped up in idolatry. And sometimes you hear that word and you go, well, I don't, you know, I don't have a golden calf sitting on my desk. Or I don't have a Buddha statue that I pray to on my kitchen table. But see, idolatry is so much more than that. Idolatry is anything that keeps you from your relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe that's work, or maybe that's money, or maybe that's hobbies, or whatever the case may be. Anything that prevents or inhibits your relationship with God can be an idol. And that's exactly what we read here. That when you have those impure thoughts, when you have that greed in your heart, then you're in idolatry. Because you've put in 
those things first in your heart instead of Jesus Christ. And he tells us very frankly in the second half of that verse, if you do those things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom, which is the goal. Verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. So see, now we're talking about not only the things that we say, but what about the things that you're hearing? What about the things that you're listening to? Again, are we getting wrapped up in conversations that we shouldn't be having? Are we laughing at jokes or affirming things that we shouldn't be affirming? Because, see, it's a two-way street. It's not just about what you're saying. It's about what you're receiving. What are you filling your mind with? Are you filling your mind with things that are bringing you closer to Jesus or things that are pulling you away from Jesus? What about the, the movies that you watch? The music that you listen to? See, that's exactly what he's talking about. Let them not deceive you with empty words. It's not only what we're saying, it's what others are saying and how we are accepting of that. Now, obviously, we can't control what other people say, but what we can control is what we listen to. And what we can control is putting ourselves in those situations. Again, they may not always be avoidable, but when we can, we've got to be sure to stay away from those things. Verse 7 says, therefore, do not be partners with them. We have this this, this want to be liked and to be needed. But we can't. It's that whole concept of we have to be in the world, right? But do not be of the world. Don't be partners with them. Don't buy into that. Don't let other people pull you down with this empty talk, with these deceiving words. We've got to be so careful about who we choose to spend our time with. Verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. See, just like a light bulb, if a light bulb is turned off, it doesn't produce any light. So what has to happen for that light to come on? It has to have some electricity that goes to it that illuminates that light. And that's exactly what happens when Jesus Christ comes into our life. He illuminates us so that we can be the light. See, we've got to be the light in this dark world. And one of the ways that we can do that is through our speech and is through our talk and is through the conversations that we have. You have an opportunity to be the light to everyone that you come in contact with. I work with the youth group, and I hear kids all the time tell me, well, but everybody at my school uses that language. Okay, so be the light. Be the one that doesn't. I heard a story recently, and I think it's very fitting to this whole idea of being the light, and, and I just did some traveling over the last three or four days, and, and it, it kind of reminded me of this story that I had heard, and it was, a, it was a busy airport, and it was a travel day, a holiday, and you know how the airport gets, right? Tempers get short, people get upset, and a flight had been canceled. And, and everybody's rushing up right to the booth to, to yell at, the, at the, the poor lady who's working, who's trying to get people new flights and all that. And, and people are getting angry, and they're starting to curse, and they're starting to yell at this poor woman. And, and one person stands up in the airport and says, Hey, 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 can I have your attention? 
I just want to say that Jane over there is doing a fantastic job of trying to get us all taken care of and get us all to our destinations. So can we just stop and give her a round of applause? And they did. They stopped and they gave a round of applause. And you know what that did, that simple act did, is it changed the entire mood of all of those people in the airport. And all of a sudden people started showing appreciation. And all of a sudden, people started thanking this woman for what she was doing for everyone. See, that person that decided to stand up and say, whoa, 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 wait, wait, that person was the light. And see, we have an opportunity to be the light and to proclaim Christ, just as this person in the airport did. We have an opportunity to do that. It says in verse 9, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth see there's the how do we be the light this is how we be the light to others right through righteousness goodness and truth see brothers and sisters we don't lie to each other we don't deceive each other we build each other up last week we talked about encouragement this is why i haven't really talked about encouragement today but showing love to others speaking truth to others speaking light to others is exactly what God's design is for each and every one of us verse 10 says and find out what pleases the Lord now that's that's kind of an odd verse right it almost and again you, you can't really look at verse numbers because that's not the way this was written it was written as a letter but and find out what pleases the Lord how do we do that how do we find out what pleases the Lord? The Bible. The Bible tells us. See, we have this, this guide. We have this instruction manual called the Bible. And if we'll just spend the time to get to know the Bible and to understand what the Bible teaches, then we'll know what pleases the Lord. It's there. It's there. We just have to take the time to do it. You know, we, we live in a very busy society, right? We work, we go to school, we have families, and unfortunately, the Bible takes a back seat. Because when we get busy, we don't always make the Bible the priority. But see, we got to get back to that. Because if you don't read the Bible, then how do you know what pleases God? Amen. You've got to spend the time to read the Bible. And people say, well, it's so difficult, but it's not. Because now we have more ways to be in the Word than ever before. We all have a smartphone. Almost every person in this room has a smartphone in their pocket, in their purse. And there's an app called the Bible app that you can put on, and it'll even read to you. Which I personally like. Not because I'm lazy, because that's just the way that I learn. I like to hear the Word. I think there's something powerful about not only seeing the word, but hearing the word. But my point is, it's easier than ever to know the Bible. There's reading plans. There's apps. There are so many different ways that we have the Bible at our fingertips. Maybe it's you listen to the Bible on your way to work in the morning. Maybe it's you take 15 minutes out of your day that, hey, this 15 minutes is my Bible time. This is my reading time. It doesn't matter how you do it, but the point is you got to do it. 
I was talking to Kay Ann last week on, at Sunday night, and she was showing me some things in her Bible, and she was showing me that her Bible's kind of fallen apart. What a great metaphor. Because someone who has a Bible that's falling apart probably has a life that's not. Because that means she's spending time in that Bible, and she's studied that Bible, and she's researched in that Bible. What a great problem to have. But we got to do it. Because if we don't, then how do we know? If we don't, how do we know how to treat our brothers and sisters? If we don't, how do we know how to treat those people outside of the church? We've got to read the Bible. Verse 11 says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. We're talking about this metaphor, right, of the light. And I kind of got sidetracked in the last verse. But we're talking about this metaphor of the light and how we need to expose these things. Right? Because that's exactly what God does. See, we think we can hide things from God, but we can't. Because he's all-knowing and he's all-seeing and he knows exactly what we're doing. So we may be able to fool ourselves, but we're not fooling him have nothing to do with them. It's that whole run the other way thing, right? Have nothing to do with them. Verse 12, it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. See, we shouldn't be spending time thinking about these things. We shouldn't be gossiping to other people about these things. We need to put these things aside. Verse 13 says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Verse 14 says, this is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. See, he's saying, wake up, wake up, snap out of it. Come be in the light of Jesus. Because it's a great place to be. Would you rather be in the dark or would you rather be in the light? And I think almost every one of us would say, I'd much rather be in the light. And he's saying, then wake up. Wake up. Be in the light. You have the choice. Verse 15 says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. See, he's reminding them that your whole life reflects Christ. Your actions, your speech, where your priorities are, they all reflect in your life of Christ. And again, it says be wise. Well, how do we be wise? We study. How do you be wise at anything? You spend time on it. You study it. And see, we've got to study to know how to be wise in God's eyes. 16 says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Again, we talked about this a little bit last week. It's this whole idea of carpe diem, right? Seize the day. Do something for Christ today. Don't wait till tomorrow because tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's not a given. We've got to do it today. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. So how do we become filled with the Spirit? We already talked about part of it, right? We read the Bible. We pray. We get baptized to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We work on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what allows us to be filled with the Spirit. And he warns us again about being drunk. Because that causes us to be in a state where we're not thinking clearly. And we do silly things, stupid things. Verse 19 says, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And this is our key text, and I know it took us a while to get there. But what most people don't realize is those first few verses are also talking about our speech and how we talk to one another. So what's it saying? How do we speak to one another? With psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Basically what it's saying is we've got to lift each other up. Lift each other up in songs. Right? Now, for those of you that know me, you know that I can't sing, so don't worry, I am not going to sing to you. But the point is, how do we speak? Is it in an uplifting manner, like when we sing hymns and spiritual songs? I sing to my kids at night, and we sing songs like, Jesus loves you. We sing songs like, my God is so strong, so mighty. Uplifting songs is what we're speaking into the lives of our children. Are we speaking to each other in that same manner? And again, I'm not saying you have to sing to one another. But it's the mindset. Are we singing and speaking in that positive manner that builds people up? Are we tearing each other down? Are we spirit-filled in the conversations that we're having? Or are we gossiping and cutting one another down and speaking negatively about one another? See, it's all about speaking to each other in love and building one another up. Because we're all in this together, right? We're all working towards the same goal, which is to, to, to be with Jesus one day in heaven. So let's do it together. Let's build each other up. Let's lift each other up. Verse 20, and we're going to wrap it up with verse 20, says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, if you truly have a thankful heart for what God has done for you, that's going to be reflected in your actions and in your words. So what if? What if we, as parents, as husbands, as wives, as a church family, what if we actually came together and did this? What kind of change could we make by being the light? Here's just a few things that came to mind. We're going to honor God. See, when we don't use curse words, when we speak words of encouragement to one another, we're honoring God because we know that that's what he wants for us. We can be the joy and the light. We're going to encourage others. We're going to light others up. Because when you pour light into others, then they can pour light as well. 
we're going to be spirit-filled. We can make a difference in our schools and in our workplaces. When we can be that light, when we can speak truth, we can change our schools and our workplaces and our homes. Think about the way that you talk to your kids. Think about the way that you talk to your spouse. Is it in a spirit-filled, loving manner? Because we know that's what God's design is. Now, I understand. We all get frustrated from time to time. We all lose our tempers from time to time. But are we truly loving those around us? And do our words reflect the love that we have? Does our church family feel loved and encouraged and respected by the words that we use and the conversations that we have? I hope that they do, because that's how we're going to rebuild this community, and that's how we're going to rebuild this church. So what are some ways that we can speak into others? What are some practical ways that we can encourage others? You can sing them a song if you want. Like I said, you don't want to hear me sing, so I promise you I will not do that to you. But send them a song. Send them an encouraging, uplifting hymn. Send them the lyrics to a song that speak to you. Send them a Bible verse. How long does it take to send a Bible verse to someone? 30 seconds? A minute? Say, hey, I was thinking of you, brother or sister. Here's a verse I wanted to share with you that's been on my heart. Honor God with our speech. Not just when we're here on Sunday mornings, but when we're out there Monday through Saturday, honor him with your speech. Use words that are encouraging. Use words that are appropriate. Use words that honor God in everything that we say and do. Because when we don't, when we say, yes, I'm a Jesus follower, and we're out here cussing, what does that say to folks? What does that say to folks? And what, what example does that give them of what a Christian looks like? We don't want to be that bad example. We want to be the light. In just a moment, Brandon's going to come up and sing another song for us. And if you've never had that opportunity to be baptized for the remission of your sins and to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, because a lot of what we've been talking about through these one another's, right, is this, this idea of being spirit-filled. Well, you have an opportunity to be baptized to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe, maybe you've just kind of, you, you've just kind of strayed away during this, this challenging time for all of us. And maybe you haven't been spirit-filled. And maybe you haven't been encouraging one another. And maybe you haven't been honoring God with your speech. You have an opportunity this morning to come forward, and we would love to talk with you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to help you in any way that we can as we stand together and as we sing. A common love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond holding us to the Lord. A common strength when we're weary, a common hope. Oh,
Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for that lesson. I pray that as we go through this week, we do send that text. We make that phone call. And we speak to one another in that common bond that we all have, which is you. Help us lift each other up by lifting you up, by glorifying you and making you first in our lives. That, that if we're all with you, then we're all together. Be with us this week and uh, help us to, to speak to each other in love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.